Good morning, my friends. Skip here for a, uh, another episode of Finding Meaning. Hope things are well in your life. I uh, hope that uh, you are uh, uncovering, let's say it that way, uncovering who you truly are. Uh, bear with me. I got a couple things going on here. It's a little later than usual. Uh, some mornings around here can be very hectic. I want to talk today about some of the qualities, about one particular quality of, of authenticity. And that's the quality of, of empathy. That when we are living out of an authentic place, there are certain indicators and things that, that have to be a part of that. We have to be able to see in ourselves certain practices, certain habits. Um, one of those is the practice of empathy. Now, you know that I'm convinced that what it means to be an authentic human, what it means to live beyond the false reality that we have created, uh, is, is to be a person who at the very least, uh, knows that everyone's worthy of love, everyone is uh, worthy of compassion, everyone is certainly, at the minimum, worthy of, of sympathy. Uh, so those are some baseline things that if, if we can uh, consider, let me, let me just set the bar that low, if we can just consider that everyone is worth uh, some level of compassion and sympathy and empathy, then I, I think we're on to living out of a more authentic us. Now, I think the more we grow into that, the more we're able to offer uh, sympathy, empathy, compassion, uh, put all that together with love, and that's called grace. That's That's a... Christian theological word, but it really, when I say grace, I mean unmerited love. Uh, showing real grace is a very difficult thing. Showing real sympathy, compassion is not an easy thing. But I want to focus in on empathy, and I want to give you my definition of empathy as we begin. Uh, I think this is a pretty standard way of defining empathy. Excuse me, why? My dog went out right before I started, and now he wants in. And it is pretty darn chilly out this morning. Um, let's talk about empathy. Empathy is the capacity for you to identify with someone else's pain. Now, compassion uh, is, is uh, trying to alleviate someone else's pain. Uh, sympathy is about uh, sharing that you are sorry for someone else's pain. Empathy is about deeply identifying with that pain. That's my personal definition. That's the definition we're going to proceed by on this podcast. Uh, and I think it's pretty close to what most people think empathy is. It doesn't... Um, it doesn't come natural, but it does. And let me try to explain that. 
I think we're born with the capacity to empathize with people. I think we're born with these capacities to to think beyond ourselves. But I think very quickly, almost immediately, we are programmed. And a lot of the programming the world offers, a lot of the programming that people live by, is really programming that is self-centered in nature. That's why it's false. That's why I say we've created a false world out of our false selves. Because we were born into this world and we instantly adapt um, or adopt, maybe I should say, a survival skill that I need. I need to get that food. I need to get that shelter. I need to survive. And around that survival skill, we shrink in or look within ourselves for those skills, quite often needing to uh, choose ourselves above the other. It's, a, it's the way the world's programmed. When you're on the schoolyard in second and third grade and you're facing down a bully or you're needing to stand up to a bully for a friend, maybe, uh, you know, that self-preservation is there. You know, sometimes you make the right choice and stand up for what's right. Sometimes you don't. Those are just the kinds of things that we learn. We learn fight or flight. We learn self-preservation. We learn that it's up to us to get us through life. Uh, it's up to us. Although we may have good parents, it's still up to us to, to, to survive, right? That the world is a cold, calculating place. Uh, there's a lot of people who go hungry, there's a lot of people who don't have a home. There's a lot of people who don't have. And we view this at a very early age. And we then assume and take on this kind of survivalist mode <coughs> of being. And it becomes a sort of self, self-serving, selfish-making mechanism. That we become so consumed with with who we uh, are. We become so consumed with our own preservation, with our own needs, our own wants, that it becomes very easy, very easy to practice, uh, you know, some form of narcissism. So let me say it that way. That narcissism, that the, the idea that you're the only one that counts is sort of in our programming, because we learned very quickly that, you know, our survival is more important than the other person's. Now, we may say, well, I hope the best for you, or, or wouldn't it be nice if we could both achieve? But when push comes to shove, this is what I was taught. It's about me and mine, and we're going to survive. I'm going to make sure we survive this world. That's a very uh, human way of thinking. It's a very programmed way of thinking. It's a very false reality way of thinking. But it's what we learn. And because we learn to focus on ourselves, to focus inward, we either lose or never learn the capacity to empathize, to identify with someone else's struggle, with someone else's pain. That 
Plus, it is not an easy thing to do. It is hard to see your pain, let alone recognize it in someone else and see their pain. These things are difficult to do. And they're difficult because we have learned that they're not that important. They're very difficult because we have programmed them out of what it means to be human. What it authentically means to be human is to empathize with people, sympathize with people, have compassion for people, have love for people. It, it doesn't mean you let someone uh, take advantage of you or abuse you. It doesn't mean you're not entitled to your boundaries, but it's a perception. Empathy, sympathy, compassion, uh, love, it's, it's how you perceive the world. We've been programmed to perceive the world in a way that is about our survival. When really, what's beyond that programming, we are built for, folks, we are authentically built for grace. We are built for love. When someone says we are the divine spark, <laughs> what I hear in that is that we are created for the purpose of love, for creating through the perception of love. And empathy is a part of that. Now, I, I think that healthy empathy is about being able to identify with someone else's pain, not letting it consume you, not letting it trigger in you PTSD from your own traumatic experiences, uh, but really saying to yourself, I see you, I recognize our common humanity, I understand that you have pain, loss, trauma. I see that and I connect to it on some deep level. But what we do here in our world is we, we psychologize it quite often. We... we allow people to be victims. We allow people to own the identity of victimhood. We allow people to own the identity uh, of, of not feeling good about who they are because it serves the purpose of our programming. Now, again, hear me. There are times when we are victims, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that's our identity. You want to know people who who rise up and overcome things, they don't dwell in the identity of a victim. They don't. Uh, they, they have, some of them been very victimized by other humans, by institutions, but they don't dwell in that identity. So empathy is, is vital. It's one component of who we are. Uh, and it has to be practiced. And I'm going to end with this. Let me spend just a couple minutes on this. Because we have been programmed to not practice empathy, because we have been programmed to not practice sympathy or compassion, because those things have been scrubbed from our authenticity, from our humanity, we have to deprogram and reprogram. And that's really what this podcast is all about in so many ways. We have to deprogram the fact that uh, 
you know, we're not the only ones that matter, that our neighbor matters, the person we don't like matters, the person from uh, the other political party matters, the person who doesn't belong to your particular religion, they matter. As a matter of fact, they not only matter, they have an intrinsic equal value to you and even to the people you love. And we have to deprogram the things that keep us from understanding that. We have been programmed, folks, I cannot say this enough. We have been hardwired, it seems, to view the world in opposites, usually with us being either the hero or the victim, that life is happening to us, that uh, some God somewhere has it in for us. We have to unprogram, folks. We have to get, we have to scrub our soul, our mind, our brain of those notions of selfishness so that we can begin to practice empathy. So here's a little practice. I want you to think about the person who you really don't want to give empathy to and just say, I realize you're a human. Or turn on the TV, and if something upsets you about some, something a politician says, say to yourself, they're a human. They are one of the beloved. They may be wrong, <laughs> or they may be not. But, folks, we, we can't judge someone's worth. Because in the end, we're all programmed. Your favorite, from your favorite rock star to your favorite politician to your parents, to your grandparents, to the person you love the most in the world, to the person you hate the most in this world. We are all programmed to be self-centered, myopic, and think about ourselves. So, there you have it. Empathy is the ability to identify pain in other people. It is to see that same thing in you. It is to connect on that common human link. It is to, uh, in healthy ways, with healthy boundaries, have relationships that empathize with each other and recognize that we are all programmed and we are all broken in many ways. Once we can do that, then we practice. It's like, it's like learning an instrument. It's like learning a new language. You got to practice empathy, compassion, sympathy, love. There you have it, my friends. I thank you for your time. Take good care of yourselves. Uh, It is a, we find ourselves in a strange place uh, with uh, the virus and and the weather. Take care of yourselves, my friend. Uh, And uh, we will talk to you later. Peace. Hello, my friends. Skip here again. Next episode, Finding Meaning. Uh, greetings to you on a very windy December day from central Iowa. Uh, currently, I have finished uh, my schoolwork for my semester, so I've got some time to uh, put some more thoughts down on, uh, on an audio file and send them out to the world. So uh, bear with me. Uh, you might get a... A deluge of of uh, podcasts. Uh, 
and the more inspired I am by, by this topic, the more I'm inclined to, to speak of it. Uh, that roar that you hear in the background, that's actually the wind. Uh, we are expecting tonight 60 to 70 mile an hour winds here in our little town. Uh, so we are battening down, tying up doors, uh, taking the Christmas decorations out of the yard, etc. So that's what that is, uh, if you hear that. Uh, it is 70 degrees in December in Iowa, so I've got the windows open. But I would imagine uh, pretty soon I'll need to really close things up and get ready for the windstorm. So let's talk about connecting points. I have shared with you, as sort of a way of sharing my uh, qualifications, if you will, my bona fides, my, my uh, pedigree, if you will, that I am a fairly well-rounded uh, spiritual seeker. Let me go ahead and close that door now. That, is, that wind is tremendous. Um... Let me give you an example. I was a third degree Mason. I'm a twice certified paranormal investigator. I have, uh, I will be receiving a religion degree this May. I was an ordained minister for 20 years. Um, ordained minister for 16 of those 20 years. I was a licensed minister for, for four of those years. I think that's the way it works out. Uh, I uh, have studied psychology, philosophy, all at college level. I've studied uh, theology at a graduate level. Uh, I'm not saying all this to impress you or to pump up my ego. I am saying all this to tell you that what I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to share, is well thought out, uh, that uh, I have engaged these ideas. I have engaged this thinking now for many years through academics, through personal study, through meditations. Uh, I have practiced about every kind of spiritual discipline there is. I have led retreats on spiritual disciplines, on Sabbath taking, on uh, theological notions, etc., etc. Okay. Hopefully you understand I'm not just some random dude here that uh, found a neat way to make a podcast. That this is a sincere thing in my life, folks. And I sincerely mean this. So I want to talk about where all of this intersects, where all of it combines, because I believe that it does. Uh, I cannot tell you how many experiences I had as a paranormal investigator I cannot share with you everything I learned as a Mason or, or all the theology I've learned, um, but you're, you're going to get parts of it here because I believe that they all intersect, that the 25 or so people I personally interviewed who had near-death experiences, that experience <clears throat> intersects with the paranormal investigations I've done the theological studying I've done, and what I am now talking about in Finding Meaning. That there is a way in which this all intersects. Now, I can't tell you the answers of everything. 
Uh, one of the things I learned as a paranormal investigator is you got to be very careful if you start just delivering answers to people. What I can tell you is that those great mysteries that I uncovered, that I experienced, the great teachings that, that I uh, have received from spiritual directors, uh, from many people, that they all come together at some point. And that point is mystery and meaning. Say that again. Mystery and meaning. And that, those things may not sound like they go together, but they do. Uh, as a matter of fact, that may sound like it is an oxymoron. Because our trained mind, our, the mind we function with in the world, is trained to see things in black and white. We want meaning. We want it to be solidified through concepts, through uh, empirical evidence, through scientific thinking. And that's the way we're trained. What I have learned as a spiritual teacher, what I have learned from my spiritual teachers also, what I have learned from my studies of all of these, these different ways of understanding reality is this, that if we don't accept the mysteries of these things, if we don't acknowledge them at the very least, we'll never find any meaning. We have to acknowledge that there are things beyond our perception at work. Or we just, if, if we can't do that, if we can't uh, at least practice on some level acceptance of great mystery, then all we really do is perpetuate the false understanding of reality. I have met people so, so left-brained, uh, left brain being the analytical brain, the, the scientific brain, the, the sort of uh, mathematician's brain, the, the architect. I have met people so left-brained that they simply cannot perceive that there are great mysteries in this world. On the other hand, I have met people so right-brained, so ethereal, so philosophical, that they accept no answers in the world either. And I think a balance of these things is very important. But we cannot answer, and we have not been able to answer any of these great mysteries, my friends, through analytical thinking. That there has to be an exploration, an acceptance. You may not have to have all the answers, but you have to accept that there are mysteries. As I had mentioned before, I have interviewed 25 people personally who have had near-death experiences, who were proven to be clinically dead, and they come back with very similar stories. They certainly all come back with the same affect, the same language, the same sort of change in who they are. So... <clears throat> What I want to do is I want to start in my personal life to draw all this together into one solidified thing. Uh, the understanding that we do live out of a false reality. The understanding that, that what religion is trying to point to but fails is, is love. 
the understanding that there are mysteries and the exploration of those mysteries, and to draw all those together in one cogent, coherent teaching is sort of my goal. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm not here to offer any certain answers because uh, that would be my ego speaking. There are mysteries, folks. I have seen things and experienced things that I cannot, will not even try to explain to you what they were and why they happened. Needless to say, uh, that we have to accept that mystery and meaning go together. And there, are, there is an intersection for that to happen, and that is the spiritual life. Now, please note, I did not say religious life, because quite frankly, religion often dismisses mystery uh, too quickly. We cannot rationalize our way to enlightenment. We cannot rationalize our way to real meaning. We have to hold in our soul, in our brain, in our mind, meaning, the search for meaning, and the mystery of mystery. Meaning and mystery go together. So, I just wanted to deliver that to you. Uh, stay tuned. There's more coming about that place where those intersect. Uh, and about where we're going to go next is finding meaning. Uh, thank you for your time, my friends. Take care. Bye-bye.